This is our first current events episode, and we look through an intuitive perspective at the Ukraine-Russia war. We look at these countries' histories, we add in a lot of interesting intuitive perspectives, and really encourage all empathic intuitive people to join the conversation, not look away, and speak up. Hi, I'm Heather Wood, and I'm an intuition and ego expert. And I'm Jamie Hayhurst, and I'm an energy healer. We're both passionate about smashing the patriarchy, integrity in the spiritual world, and social justice. This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, we are going to do our first ever current events episode today. This is exciting stuff. It is very exciting, and it also caused me a lot of belly aches. <laughs> I really wanted to get this right. I really wanted to put something together that our listeners would appreciate that would come from like an intuitive empathic place that would educate people that would like have conversation that was valuable in it. That wouldn't be us trying to sway anyone into thinking anything would present facts, but also not be boring and have room for discussion. So I hope I, I hope we got there. I, I'm really hopeful, but I'm nervous too. <laughs> oh, I think we're. I think it's going to be great. And we've heard feedback from people that they'd like to hear our take on current events because, like you said, we're not trying to sway anyone. But really, our whole thing is that we want people to use intuition in a really practical way. And so, this is how you do it. You look at current events and you use your own intuition and you use like your intuitive abilities to sort of figure out what's really going on with stuff and how to like sort of weed through all of the information that we're getting. Exactly right. I had two main motivators when I was putting this episode together, mm-hmm. when I was thinking of why we were going to do this and what we were presenting and what I wanted to be accomplished. So the first one is that I think highly empathic, highly intuitive people tend to sometimes shut down in the face of like really difficult things like war. Right. Yes. This is not a criticism of that. (laughs) But what happens and what I hear a lot from people when current events get brought up or when somebody asks me about it, there are a lot of comments sort of like, I just get overwhelmed and I shut down, or I just can't deal emotionally with hearing about it. And I, I shut down and, Or I don't trust a source to give me information without getting really triggered. Right. Yeah. So if that is you, if you can relate to that, and I certainly can, of like, there's a lot of times where I'll just like, okay, I can, I can like tune in for a few minutes and then I have to go away. Like, I definitely relate to that. So if that's you, my hope is that this episode resonates with you and is a way that you can tune in if you feel like you're in a place where you can, where you can tune in. You can hear some information, some facts. I'm going to present it as lightly as it is appropriate for me to, where you can listen and you can, you can critically think, you can form an opinion, you can use your intuition and your feelings to move through it. That, that was a big, a big thing that was really important to me because I don't think that there's enough things presented in that way. Agree. I also think that we should say that, or I should say that I think that while people, whatever you call yourself, like an intuitive or an empath or a highly sensitive person, 
whatever terminology you use for yourself, like, yes, taking in information can be really hard and you definitely have to have like very firm boundaries about how you take it in, when, how often, um, who you're getting it from. But also I think it's important to note that if you have the ability to just not listen to the news or ignore what's going on in the world, then you're coming from a point of privilege. And a lot of people in this world don't have that choice. They're living, they're living these stories that are so hard to hear about, but it's like their lives. So, and I'm not saying that to shame anybody. I'm saying it as that's how I, that's how I manage the news and taking in information is that when I feel like I want to shut down, I'll take a break. I'll take a break from taking in the information, but then I'll use my empathy as a way to be like, well, you know what, James? <laughs> not everyone can ignore this. So neither should you like, so you should take a break, get back in it and learn as much as you can and see where you can help. So it's like, it's like finding a way to take your privilege and help others with it and by, by informing yourself. So perfectly stated. Cause don't you feel like so many empathic intuitive people ping pong between the two ideals you're describing right there, which is like, I want to, I want to do something. I want to help. I want to understand But I'm also like really highly affected by this information. So I think what you're describing is learning how to have good boundaries when it comes to how you take in information and shutting down and not listening and never going back to it is not having good boundaries and neither is having completely ruin your day. Exactly. I mean, you'll hear people say like, I just, I'm just not into politics. Like I've just, it doesn't affect, it's, you know, it's not important to me. Well, that's, then you're telling me like just how privileged you are, you know, and to your point, like completely shutting something out and ignoring something is not a good boundary. Agreed. I, and I really want more intuitive empathic people in positions where they're educated, they can speak up, they can understand. So this is our sort of like (laughs) battle cry out to be like, Hey, let's pay attention and maybe we can help you pay attention by being really mindful of how you operate and presenting the information in a way that might be easier for you to take in. Right. Exactly. Okay. My other motivation was something that has bugged me for years and years and years and years. And I'm and I know it bugs you too. <laughs> mm-hmm. People who were raised in this society and conditioned as a woman However, whatever non-binary, however you see yourself now. But if you were raised in the society as a woman, at least for a period of time, you were conditioned to not speak up. Yeah. I have had the privilege of being in a lot of rooms where a lot of important discussions happen. And I have watched many women struggle to speak up and to share their opinion and their thoughts. And when asked, they always tell me the same thing, that they feel like they don't know enough. They have this imposter syndrome, like they can't speak up. They're not educated enough. They they don't know like every single tiny fact that you could possibly know about the thing. So they don't use their voice. Right. Yep. I have also been in rooms where men have been like, well, if women would just speak up more, this is not a speech like that because- Excuse yeah. my language, but fuck you, buddy, because yeah. we've been, you can't like expect women to suddenly heal from that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're, that messaging is everywhere for us. So how dare you, sir? But 
If this could serve as a way that you could listen to this and feel educated enough to enter arenas, to let your voice be heard. I even at the end of this episode have a few tips for approaching conversations and how to do that when you're feeling that way, like some great phrasing to put in and some great sort of like mindsets to use in this situation. So I want more people to feel like they can speak up. Agreed. hundred percent. Sorry. I said the F word on the podcast. It's definitely not the first time. (laughs) It won't be the last. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Let's dive in. Are you ready, Jay? Okay. Where we need to start here is we are talking about Russia and Ukraine today. Right. The issues in Russia and Ukraine, what's going on? Why does it matter so much? Aside from the fact that anything that involves humans should matter to everyone. But yeah, why do we need to know? What do we need to know? And how can you hear it and be educated and use your own gifts, your own clairs, your own creativity, your own like really intelligent thoughts and things you're an expert in, how can those things help you contribute to making things better? Yep. Okay. The Russia Ukraine story is a tale of patriarchal bullshit and drama. (laughs) (laughs) A tale as old as time. (laughs) So if you're going, why did Jamie and Heather want to talk about this? Aside from the two points we just talked about. Also, (laughs) That reason. (laughs) Right, exactly. Where we are right now is that on February 24th of 2022, shortly after Ukraine's President Zelensky addressed his country, Russia bombed and invaded Ukraine. Right. We are recording this mid-April of 2022. They are still at war. Russia is still bombing and invading Ukraine. Right. But I will say that we thought this was, you know, the whole world was watching and we thought it was going to be over in a week. We thought there was no way Ukraine was going to be able to stand up to to Russia. And they have so far. That's amazing. Um, I'd also like to note that in his speech that he was addressing the nation in, Zelensky said, he he was a long speech, but the, the main thing that he said was that he didn't want war with Russia, but that Ukraine would defend itself. Right. So I think it's important to note that Ukraine was looking for peace. Russia was looking for war. Yep. To the current date right now. So again, we're recording this in mid-April 2022. The BBC estimates that there have been nearly 10 million refugees fleeing the Ukraine. Yep. I see a lot of people being very supportive of this, of, of the Ukraine refugees. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I love seeing the flags. I love seeing people donate and do lots of things. I do know that you and I discussed Mm -hmm. how it's sometimes hard to watch because you sort of are like, why are these refugees ones that we're okay to support, but other refugees aren't. Right. Well, I mean, I think that that's sort of where I come in, in this conversation is that when we talk about cultural events or when I'm learning about cultural events, I think I've sort of trained myself to look at like, take a step back, like zoom out and look at like what's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're getting a ton of information. I mean, we're living in a day and age where we're literally watching a war happen on social media. Right. Yes. Right. Like literally like we're getting our information, hopefully from news sources that we trust, but also it's all over social media. And so you know, we're getting these narratives and we're, we're watching them play out 
And I'm always asking myself, who's benefiting from this? And I don't mean like what person, I mean, what structure is benefiting from this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in this, I think in this example, we saw a lot of like, <laughs> we saw a lot of white journalists really starting to show this sort of very insidious, blatant white supremacy in their reporting. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like there are humanitarian crises happening all over the world in Yemen and Syria, Afghanistan, Ethiopia, and Haiti. I mean, there are, there are refugees that need support from literally all over the world. And a lot of those refugees are people with brown skin. They're black people, they're brown people. But with Ukraine, we were hearing, you know, this one soundbite that caught wind and spread like wildfire. And this guy said, you know, this is a relatively civilized, relatively European, I have to choose my words carefully. He said that like, like while he was talking, it's a relatively European city where you wouldn't expect that or you hope that it's or or you wouldn't expect that or hope that it's going to happen. Talking about Kiev, talking about like being bombed and like people having to flee and become refugees. That's white supremacy. Yeah, and it's sneaky white supremacy. I, I know that's probably sounds like a very privileged thing for a white person to say, but I think it's important to point out because you know, you see all this sympathizing, which is great. Right. We need to be supporting those refugees for sure, but we need to be supporting all refugees. And, you know, the media's take on like Trump with his wall and all this bullshit was very different than when you see a, like a nation of people who look white dealing with something like this. Right. And you're using the word civilized, like look at like, just pay attention to the words that are being used and, and the way things are being framed. I mean, what about refugees from Syria? What about refugees from when when the fall of Kabul that happened last year, right? When people were fleeing Afghanistan. What about when our own country put kids in cages? Right. I mean, we didn't have like Afghanistan flags flying, like when, mm. when their country was being taken over by the Taliban last year. So I'm not saying don't support Ukraine. I'm not saying that at all. Absolutely support Ukraine. <laughs> Just take the step back to look at why we're now talking about how all these surrounding countries have to take Ukrainian refugees and why we're so opposed to refugees with brown skin or black skin. 100%. And this is why these conversations are important to have with intuitive right. empathic people, because these are the things that we find, that we see, that we feel, that we point out. That's why we need to be educated and we need to speak up. That I, like it, It's such an important point for me, whether it's this issue or one of the many other issues. You know, you can't allow people to trick you into thinking that because some invisible line was drawn here and you were born on this patch of grass and they were born on that patch of grass and that the amount of, you know, color in somebody's skin is going to make you the same or different than people is ridiculous. Exactly. And the same structures that want to keep intuitive people silent and disengaged are the same structures and the same systems that want to keep brown people and black people and indigenous people and gay people and transgender people, you know, all of the, all the people that all of us that have been told that we're other, other, however, we're other, you know, that it's the same structures that are trying to keep us all quiet. Yes. That is the patriarchy, ladies and gentlemen. Anytime you see people being separated, you are in ego and you are in 
a place that benefits the patriarchy. People being separated benefits the patriarchy. We will get into more of that in this story because you will continue to see it. But it is very important to see. And, you know, Jamie, you're always bringing up the question, like, who does this benefit? I feel like that's such a key critical thinking question. And I think you should keep asking yourself that every time you listen to the news, whether it's this issue or any issue. Right. Who benefits from me being scared? Who benefits from me being quiet? Who benefits from me being uninformed? Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. I want to give as brief but as informative as possible a history between these two countries. Okay. Because if you understand the, the sort of long running story, it's easier to understand what's happening and it's easier to see what's coming. Right. When I research for the podcast, I, you know that I love to research. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I love to learn. And I think that researching is just like learning in a very specified direction that like also lets me feel like a detective, which I, you know, I also love. Yes. <laughs> When it's for the podcast, there's this additional piece for me where it's like, as I'm researching, I get to find where the narrative is. Like, where's the story here that I'm, I'm finding that like we can talk about that will benefit other people. Right. So in putting this together, that was happening while I was, I was piecing this together. And I'm hoping that I can present it in a way that that gets to happen for the listeners too. Okay. I'm sure you will. I'll try. Okay. So we're going to kind of start our story. We're going to go back to the 1600s in a second, but I want to say that the Soviet Union, which is also the same as the USSR, those are the two, like Soviet Union Union is short for USSR. We'll get to what that stands for and, and what that was and all that kind of thing. But that was formed in 1922. Yeah. It was made up of 15 different republics. That included, of course, Russia and Ukraine. Um, I won't name all of them, but places like Armenia, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, all all in that area made up the Soviet Union. And it was this really huge, massive empire. Yep. Let's do some history bullet points. Yep. To understand this story, you have to go back in time to the Romanov Empire. Now, if you are like me and you like like the Marvel superheroes, mm-hmm. you know that the Black Widow's last name is Romanov. She's a Russian intelligent. You know, she has the whole Russian background. This mm-hmm. is where they got the name. Nice. They were, they ruled. They were a royal family that ruled in Russia, what was called Russia then, from 1613 to 1917. Oh, okay. We're going to go back to this. But Putin, who is the current president and leader of Russia, Mm -hmm. is a huge fan of the Romanovs. Okay. (laughs) Now, the Romanov history in itself is fascinating. It could be a whole episode if people really want it. I'm not sure it's exactly our lane, but like, go check it out if you like this. But you've heard of them. Like Catherine the Great was one one of the Romanov empire rulers. Yep. So for many, many of these hundreds of years, this empire, like really, like it went really well. (laughs) Things were really good. But when we start to get into the early 1900s, the current leader, Tsar Nicholas II, was a pretty weak leader. People didn't like him. All kinds of 
not so great things happened at this time. And like the nation wasn't doing well. Okay. So he was overthrown and this ends the Romanov empire. He was murdered as well as his whole family, including his young children. They were all executed. Oh no. Anyone who was part of the Romanov family that survived escaped and and they were refugees. They fled. Okay. But what happens here when this is overthrown is a civil war. Now, the civil war is led by Bolshevik, the Bolshevik party, which is basically a communist party. Yep. They were, they just considered like the two parties, the red army and the white army. The red army was the Bolsheviks, which was a communist party. The white army was socialists. Okay. What I want you to know is that the socialist party was frequently referred to as the radical left. Okay. So I want these terms to be heard because these terms are being thrown around now. Exactly. Okay. I don't think a lot of people understand what communism is versus what socialism is. No, they don't. And I don't blame you because it's confusing and they're very similar. So I found a little video that I thought I would play the audio for everyone because I found it to be really, really helpful in understanding these two. Uh, It's about four minutes long. It's pretty short, but it's really, really helpful. So this is a video from uh, Now This World, so a a source that I trust. So I'm going to play that for you now and like see what you think. Okay. This might come as a surprise, but in the history of the modern world, there has never been a communist country. While a number of countries have described themselves as communist, for example, China and North Korea, by definition, there has never been a true communist country. So what exactly is communism and how does it relate to socialism? Well, it may be easier to explain what the two have in common. Both ideologies originate from a desire to limit worker exploitation and lower or eliminate the influence of economic classes in society. There are dozens of variations on both communism and socialism based on the different ways these ideologies are implemented in different countries. There's Stalinism, Leninism, Trotskyism, Maoism, and others which are essentially all versions of Marxism, coupled with various styles of revolution. Karl Marx was an economist and philosopher who co-wrote the Communist Manifesto, among other foundational books on communism. In short, his theory centered around the idea that as Europe transitioned from centralized monarchies to quasi-democratic capitalist economies, workers were being exploited by those who owned the means of production. So if you work in a factory or on a farm, as many at the time did, whoever owns the factory or farm is getting more out of the worker than they're putting in. This creates an inherent inequality, giving the owners, who Marx called the bourgeoisie, power over the workers, called the proletariat. In Marxism, to fix this inequality, society must shift towards a model where the proletariat hold this power instead, by collectively controlling the means of production. That's where socialism and communism come into play. According to Marx, socialism is a precursor to communism and the next logical step after capitalism. In socialism, a democratic state controls the means of production, rather than having private companies hold ownership. Instead of competing with each other as in a capitalist society, socialism has workers contribute as much as they can to the greater good, and then they all share equally in that good. Variations of this idea are already popular within capitalist societies in the form of universal health care or social services like fire departments and schools funded by taxes. 
While the use of these services is unequal, everyone is equally responsible for contributing to them based on their ability or level of income. So that's socialism. But once the state controls all the means of production, the next step is total collective ownership, not just of production, but all aspects of society and economy, including private property. The intention of abolishing private property is a classless, moneyless, and stateless society where everyone works towards the same collective goal of being healthy, happy, and free. Everybody does what they can to contribute and takes only what they need in return. As I said before, there are no true communist countries, and there never have been. Every so-called communist country is actually a socialist country, with the state controlling employment and economy to some degree. Even the widely referred to communist Russia was actually called the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. In short, socialism and communism are not altogether different. Rather, most schools of economics consider socialism to be a precursor to communism once the state has enough control over society and economy. But this total control is a major reason that socialist countries struggle to reach this ideal. Corruption is rampant in countries like the former USSR, Venezuela, Vietnam, and North Korea, largely due to people in power abusing that power instead of using it to help the society they control and refusing to give up that power to the people. Nonetheless, socialist ideals have seen incredible success when paired with capitalism in countries like Sweden and Canada. The human hurdle of overcoming power and greed in government is the biggest reason we've never seen a true communist country. Okay. What do you think, Jay? <laughs> I mean, I think I'm clearly a socialist. but um, <laughs> And I think, I think he's right. I don't think communism is achievable. I don't know that it will ever be achievable because so many people have had the taste of capitalism in their mouths that I don't know that we could get governments on board to be as like kind and philanthropic as we would need them to be to be in a successful communist state and i also it kept like ringing in my head about how you know i'm clearly dating myself but like growing up in the 80s it was like communism is bad communism is is the enemy and i get that like russia was doing things that were not you know above board but it certainly serves again. This so this is how I take this step back. If you want to see it in action, <laughs> this this anti-communist viewpoint serves capitalism, right? Because capitalism would have to stop. Would, like you would have to give up. There would be no more billionaires. There would be no more multimillionaires, right? So like it's like this anti-communist propaganda serves serves capitalism. And so that's why we saw all that stuff in the 80s and the early 90s about anti-communism was because it kept us in this like, you know, freedom, (laughs) this like this, you know, hyper patriotic state where we just want, which then turned into like this rugged individualism, which now looks like it's now turned into like every man for himself. I 100% agree. I wouldn't consider myself any of the categories, socialist, communist, capitalist, oligarchy. We'll talk about those two definitions in a minute. But I would say that it's so patriarchal to take all of those concepts and say you have to be one. Instead of going, what parts of this would work? How could we combine this? Because what you'll see when we continue the story of of the Soviet Union in Russia, and also in our own country, is that doesn't matter the system you're in. 
It's when people take advantage of power and that everyone starts, you know, working for themselves instead of for everyone and like fighting for each other. And like the greed and the power gets in the hands of just a few people. And it doesn't matter the system we have. We can see that that happens in all of them, whether it's socialism or capitalism. I mean, again, people claiming to be communism, but clearly we've never actually done that, you know, like, so to me, the conversation should be much more in the place of, well, what works there? Like, I love the example of how Canada and Sweden take capitalism and socialism and they combine them into making something that works. And I'm not saying that's the answer everywhere, but it's so patriarchal to just go like, well, which concept are you label yourself that? And it's like, why don't we just look at all these ideas and find ways to make them work together? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So just a quick definition of capitalism. (laughs) I think most people know it, but just so you have it, the definition is that capitalism is an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the state. Right. And I think that if you, if if you're looking Technically, most people would say that we're the United States is not even we're not capitalistic anymore. We're like in, we're a post capitalistic society. Yes, that's what a lot of us empathic intuitive people have been saying for a long time. I found a video of Bernie Sanders about six years ago warning us that we'd be right where we are right now, by the way. And that what they say that we're kind of in and again, not everyone agrees that this is true. So use your own you know, critical thinking skills and research this. But I know Jamie and I feel like we're in more of an oligarchy, which is a government run by only a few privileged people who exercise power for for selfish purposes. Well, I mean, let's just say that as we are recording, the news today is that one of the billionaires in this country is is creating a hostile takeover of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk is trying, he's using all of his money, his billionaire money that comes from apartheid blood money, and then ex- exploiting workers, this whole thing. And now he's trying to take over Twitter so that he can manage information in our society. And this is not we- capitalism. No, it's not capitalism. No. And you know what? None of, I don't think anyone should be like fighting for one of these ideals because then you get lost in like actually making a country or a republic or whatever that serves the people that like everyone has a fair shot and gets to benefit and get support and help. Like it's always so painted that like, if you're on the left, like Jamie and I are right. That like, we're wanting to take away from those who work harder than other. Like that's so silly. Like all of this dramatization and like saying it's one thing or the other is dangerous And this is why we want everyone to know this information. This is why we're doing these kinds of things. So that when you see somebody like Elon Musk taking over Twitter like that, you think like, I know examples of this. I know that this isn't right. I see where this has happened in history and what's gone wrong. And I see that this is bad. And you don't believe the propaganda that it's not. Right, exactly. So this is, I know I'm getting fired up, but like, this is why we're talking about this. Exactly. Okay, back to our timeline. Okay, so we have the Civil War between the Red Army and the White Army, which is the communists and the socialists. I know that's not, after hearing that video, you're probably like, wait, they're not that different. I know, I, I get it, right? But that's what was going on. Listen, there's a lot more history here. There's a lot more detail in all of this stuff. These are bullet points. <laughs> this is the highlight reel. Exactly. 
1922, there was a treaty and that creates the USSR. Right. So the Civil War ends. USSR stands for the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. So again, when we're calling Russia and the USSR and the Soviet Union a communist country, that's not correct. It's even in the title that they are socialists. Okay. Okay. The Communist Party takes control. The Communist Party. Hear that. Okay. It's sort of like saying the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. Whatever the ideals are, it doesn't mean that they're exactly in line with it. It's that's the party in control. Right. Okay. This government at this point is led by Vladimir Lenin. So he is like, he was whatever the equivalent of president was at that time. In 1924, Vladimir Lenin dies. Joseph Stalin takes over. Right. I don't know if you all know about Stalin, but pretty much a really terrible piece of shit human. Bad, bad, bad guy. Bad guy. Bad guy. Very bad guy. Go look him up. I don't have enough time to go into all of the reasons why he's terrible. But just know under Stalin, there is so much repression, so much scary, terrible things happening in this country. In 1949, NATO forms. Part of the reason NATO forms, and it depends who who's written the article, the viewpoint on the person on how much influence this has. But at least we can say part of the reason that NATO forms is to show an alliance against the USSR and its allies. Okay. So it's like the United States, Canada, and a lot of Europe are now, because the USSR is getting so powerful, NATO is formed. Right. They're basically combining forces without combining actual countries. They're combining forces to stand against the USSR. Exactly. Okay. This is important. Put a little star there and an asterisk. In 1953, Stalin dies in 53. He takes over in 24. So NATO forms while Stalin is president. In 1953, when he dies, President Khrushchev takes over. He takes power. He's also a communist. In 1955, the Cold War starts in response to NATO becoming a hindrance to the USSR. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of stuff happens in between. I'm going to jump to 1985, but I want to say in the 1960s and 70s, the Communist Party elite gained so much wealth and power in the USSR, while the average citizen millions of them starved to death. Right. This whole idea that communism and socialism is a better way as opposed to capitalism, they're all bad because they all leave room for people to be greedy and to take power. And for this whole system of whoever has the most money rules what's happening. Because they never ever actually end up playing out the way they're supposed to in a political science book. You know, like you, it always ends up being taken over by some greedy man who's in charge, generally a greedy white man, and it goes off the rails. It never actually looks like it's supposed to. It's never actually communism. It's never actually capitalism or socialism. It's always like under the guise of that terminology, but it's never really that. It's always like the machinations of some evil man behind the curtain. (laughs) Exactly right. And there isn't there isn't great checks on power in any of these systems. Correct. And when there are checks on power, they are able to be taken out by the people in power. So 
We're going to jump now to 1985, where President Gorbachev takes power. Now, if you grew up in the time that Jamie and I did, you know that name. You know him and Reagan didn't get along. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff that happens here. Basically starts the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, there's so much. But he's also trying to, like, de-Stalinize the USSR, Russia, Right. right? Like, he's like... I don't want it to be like this. So he's trying to make changes, but they're really weird the way he goes about it. Again, Reagan made his choices of how he handled this with calling him out and stuff. Very weird. The Berlin Wall falls in 1989. Okay. In 1991, the USSR falls. It dissolves. Like it can't stand up anymore under this leadership. And so these countries all separate into different republics. Boris Yeltsin takes power and there is a lot of unrest to say it mild and to skip a lot of really dramatic things. It goes really poorly. Yes. And it goes really poorly for the people of Russia. Okay. So I want to make that clear that a lot of times I hear people just criticizing Russia and Russians, and I want you to separate the citizens of Russia from the government that is doing these awful things. Agreed. We're still seeing that today with the Russia and Ukraine invasion, that people are sort of lumping all Russians together when a lot of them are, you know, they're not in agreement with with Putin. Exactly. So we see Boris Yeltsin start to bring in capitalism. Mm -hmm. Um, He's actually the first elected official. He's the first person elected into office there. So like there's parts that you're like, oh, and, you know, back at the time it was painted as this really great thing. Like here's democracy. Okay. Right. But it didn't go well. Let's say that. And I remember that. Me too. In 2000, Putin takes power. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) On the note of dun, dun, dun. I think this would be a great place to take a break because I have the rest of the story that involves our boy Putin. Yeah. I have a crazy, some crazy Putin stories. Like I literally wish you could all see Jamie's face when I tell them to her. Cause I'm looking forward to it with how strange this man is. <laughs> I'm actually going to compare him to the Kardashians and you'll find out why. Oh Lord. <laughs> and then I also have some tips for you. in if you want to enter into conversations about this stuff with people, some ways to do it that can make you feel less like an imposter and more confident. We'll be right back after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. All right, Heather, it's season four. We're here for another season and we still have our favorite sponsor, Restoration Coffee. What coffee are you drinking these days, Jay? It goes back and forth between a Rachel and a Paige. I'm still drinking my Americanos. So if you want a fantastic cup of coffee to go with listening to the IGG or any other podcast that you might listen to, check out Restoration Coffee. You can go to their website. It's restoration-coffee.com. Check it out and tell them that the Intuitive Girl sent you. Yeah, can't go wrong.
Hey y'all, it's Jamie with a little shameless self-promotion. We've had a lot of people reaching out asking about distal Reiki, so I wanted to let you all know that yes, you can book a session with me. If you'd like some distance Reiki, get in touch with me and we will set it up for you. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. All right, Heather, this week we are obsessed with something really weird, or I am, and I dragged you into it. When are we not obsessed with something weird? <laughs> no, this is like weird. This sounds weird when you say it out loud. <laughs> Even I was like, should I ask Heather about this? This is kind of weird. But um, I just, before you say it, I have to tell you that for if you heard all of our conversations, I'm not sure you would actually pick this one out as the weirdest, but I think to Jamie, it maybe feels the weirdest. <laughs> Well, if you're a listener of the IGG, you've heard of us talking about like fae and fairies and how like that's, you know, certainly in all the Sabbaths and a lot of the things we think about in our culture are actually references to fae and how it's energy that you need to be aware of and thoughtful about. Yeah, I feel like you're saying it nicely where I am constantly cringing at people not understanding Faye and like not to just call it into your house all the time exactly i mean and this could probably be like a whole entire episode although i don't know if we want to do an episode on Faye because that might then be you know how this the the logic is circular right like you get stuck in this like <laughs> this circle this vicious circle of like should we be talking about the Faye? i think it's if so- people want an episode on it we could do it carefully i feel like i know the rules of the Faye, and i could i could navigate that if people wanted it but also Maybe it would have to come with like a small lesson in the beginning, how to also navigate listening to all the stuff about the Fae. Right. And like, like an area cleansing, like a house cleansing. <laughs> exactly. You know? But I, Marco Polo and Heather, I don't know if you, if anyone uses Marco Polo, but that's how we do most of our communicating is through the Marco Polo app. If oh, they'd like to sponsor us, go right ahead. Um, <laughs> but I came across a book. And the author was describing it on TikTok. It's my new favorite TikTok trend is an author describes a book. Like I love like, that. In the background and like, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I like want to read this book. Sounds yeah. incredible. And then I go to the comments to look at the title and it's like fairy guardians or like, and I was like, oh no, it's fairies. <laughs> oh Jesus. So Marco Polo and Heather, I was like, this book plot sounds really great. And I really want to listen. I really want to read it, but I think it's dangerous. Yeah. And so we were like, we should talk about this because I wonder if other people think this thought, and maybe this is just because you're friends with me and I have like, like maybe wrongly made you a little too afraid of, of this or too aware, but let me just first say that my answer was that she should read it. Yeah. You you can absolutely read about Faye and all that kind of stuff. But the modern depiction of what Fae is based, like compared to what it really is, is very different. Exactly. And Fae is just an energy that when you're talking about fairies or anything, we're including Fae in that. They, you have to respect that. Like you don't, people will put like little fairies or little figurines around their house. And then they'll start to be like, I don't understand why the energy in my house is so weird. And all my stuff keeps going missing. (laughs) Right. Like I can't find my earrings. My necklace is gone. And like, you know, this little trinket of mine is missing. Yeah. I, and they don't understand what happened. My first question is always like, did you bring fairy memorabilia into the house? Or like, is there a, like an elf or like what's happening? And they're always like, 
oops. <laughs> or is your kid watching like Tinkerbell on repeat? Yeah, because as soon as you start to like lean into that energy of the fae and fairies, you start to call them in. And when you call them in, they, they're going to take over. So you have to have good boundaries and be like, we love fae, but like outside, like have a fairy garden, have it outside and be like, that's where the fairies go. That's where the fae goes. So I suggested to Jay that she read the book, but she do like a little offering ritual to the fae and like just keep reminding of the boundaries. You can also like ring bells through the house. You can cleanse the area, you know, all of those things. Right. So just be mindful if you're doing that. Yep. If you're Absolutely. bringing in some cute holiday decor and it's got some kind of elf or fairy or anything, even the Easter bunny. I know this is airing past Easter, but like. Uh, you said it. Yep. It's Faye. Yep. <laughs> so you have to be careful that you're not yep. inviting them in. And if that happens and everything starts going missing, all of your appliances start breaking, all of that kind of stuff starts happening. You can, there's plenty of things you can look up and you can just cleanse the area and get rid of them, but you have to have good boundaries. Exactly. Okay. And there's your little purview into the weird world of Jamie's thoughts. I mean, I think that it's not, it doesn't even register as weird to me. So I think that might mean I'm really weird. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how weird our listeners are then. Yeah. Let's see what people think. Tell us you guys, are you weird? And do you worry about the Fae like us? Or are you just learning that this is a problem? Let us know. Okay, Jay, we're going to hop back in and we're going to start talking about your boy Putin. Yeah, this is going to be like the thing that gets us like internet famous is that Putin's going to find out about us and <gasps> talk, talking shit about him and like start a disinformation campaign about the IgG. I, I, I kind of hope so. I would be so excited. If that <laughs> um, it very well could. Putin is famous for not liking when people speak out against him. Oh, he doesn't like that. And it wouldn't be our first go with like a powerful person who had like a following from another country. If you didn't have yeah. a void codes episode and hear the saga that occurred after for us. It's true. So, you know what? Bring it, Putin. <laughs> okay. Putin claimed to be a capitalist. Yeah. But is in, in the way he runs the country an authoritarian. So he's limits free speech and media and is known for arresting and murdering political opponents and journalists. Journalists. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is like so anti-American. I was going to say that if like you see people right now being like, well, I mean, Putin's better than Biden. If you're seeing that whole like MAGA bullshit, that is like grade a number one anti-constitutional to be killing journalists is like blatantly pathologically anti-American. Absolutely. And if you aren't seeing that, you are being the victim of propaganda real bad. And your brain, you're beyond that and you're brainwashed. Good point. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So Putin, as he takes over in 2000, continually takes more and more state control. Right. Like I said before, he was a huge admirer of the Romanov dynasty and all of them. Yep. And he made it very clear from the beginning that his goal was to restore the former Soviet Union. Yep. Now, when you hear restore the Soviet Union, it does mean take all of the countries and like like the geographical, it does mean that. But I think based on what I learned in my research, that what Putin really means by that is to become like the powerful empire again. Right. Okay. So not necessarily so much about the land, but about the power. 
but having Ukraine back in that, having the like, the land of Ukraine back in that adds to that, that rebuilding of power. Absolutely. Okay. In 2014, the then Ukrainian president, who I believe you pronounce it Unikovych, mm-hmm. I'm guessing, okay. he rejects an agreement to join NATO. Okay. What you need to know about this president is that he was considered pro-Moscow. Okay. Translates to pro-Putin. Right. Okay. So when you hear people referred to as pro-Moscow, they are, it's kind of a like nicer way of saying like in bed with Putin. Yes. Okay. Putin is controlling this person. Right. So when this happens, when this president says, nope, we reject, we're not joining NATO, protests just break out in Ukraine because they have been working since the fall of the Soviet Union to join NATO. And this guy just goes, nope, we're not doing it. Forget it. And breaks ties. Right. It's awful. Okay. Parliaments. There's so much going on that parliament votes out this president because of this decision. Good. Okay. Now Ukraine resumes efforts to join NATO. Russia responds by invading. This is 2014. They invade an area of the Ukraine. And I encourage everyone to look at a map of this because it'll make sense why they wanted this little portion of Ukraine called Crimea. Yep. It was part of the Ukraine at the time when the USSR dissolved. They came and they invaded and took it back as part of Russia. Right. Exactly. Successfully. Successfully. Okay. Ukraine separatists which were sometimes referred to as patriots, (laughs) started fighting for control of the Ukraine. They were part of Ukraine. These are citizens of the Ukraine. They were being funded by Russia. Russia was sending them guns. They were sending them all these kinds of things. They were trying to infiltrate with information for them, trying to rig elections. All this kind of stuff is happening because this group called Patriots wanted to bring the Ukraine back to Russia. Russia, right. Okay. There's no accident on why I'm enunciating and saying these terms over and over again. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Does the term patriots and a group of people, does that remind you of anybody in our country right now? Right. Or, or has your definition of patriot changed in the last five to 10 years? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you now think differently about what a patriot means and how they behave? What That's because of Russia. Exactly. Because these quote unquote patriots yep. were terrorizing this country. Exactly. And they did it successfully. And they had enough power to have rule over who was who was elected, who was in political power at the time. Yep. So again, if you're thinking Oh, patriot, the modern day of that is when you like violently take over and try to bring stuff back to the old ways, you are falling for Russian propaganda. Right. And so like when you see this MAGA crowd sort of take over the word patriot and you now sort of like when if I hear someone, if someone now tells me they're a patriot, my hackles are up. I'm on I'm on defense because I don't trust you. And that's because all these people who are now patriots who are now like storming the Capitol, they're the victims of this Russian propaganda that's been infiltrating our country for years now at this rate. Exactly, exactly. 
You also have to think back around this time to what was happening in our country. And a few years later, what would happen with Russia, like us basically prove, not basically us proving that they manipulated the election. They hacked the, the election. Exactly. So you have to understand that timeline wise. Yes. Okay. Peace agreements happened in Ukraine between these two groups, the Patriots and the, the rest of the Ukraine. But again, these patriots still had power. So basically Russia still had power here. Okay. So they, they lost the person who was in charge, the president, but Russia is still running the game here through these people. Zelensky comes into power in 2019 and there's a huge shift that happens. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people like fangirling Zelensky. And I think a lot of it is like deserved But some of it is very cheapening to some of the amazing things this guy does. Yeah, I'm not I'm not here for any of that. It's weird. I think we can admire someone for being brave and for fighting for his people in the way that he does. But it's become like odd now. Cringy. Cringy is the perfect word. Okay, that's a side note. But he comes into power in 2019. And one of his main objectives is to get the Ukraine to join NATO and to be in alliance with NATO. Right. In Feb on February 24th, 2022, like I said before, Russia attacks Ukraine again. Right. We are currently at the time of recording. They're still at war. Now there's, when it comes to why, why did Putin attack now? There's a lot of speculation. So I can't give you a factual answer on that. Right. But what I can tell you is that most people suspect that the Ukraine was about to join NATO, like that was about to happen, or they were enough in alliance with it that Putin panicked. Yep. Because if you look geographically at the location of Ukraine, it touches Russia, it borders, and then it borders a bunch of other countries that are NATO countries. Exactly. So this would be a big deal. Strategically, Putin wants that land. Exactly. Now there's speculation that there were other reasons too, but I think instead of just having a bunch of old white men speculate, we could also call in the witches. Absolutely. (laughs) So I called in my favorite witch, Jamie Hayhurst. And I said, can you look up Putin's astrological chart and see if there's any answers or gold mine information in it? And has anyone done this? I mean, I have a hunch that somewhere in the government there's, astrologers on staff who are probably doing this but what do you think jay what did you find anything good well i mean i'm not good enough at astrology to be running anyone's chart beyond like plugging the numbers in but i did find some people who have done that and i found articles they wrote and their different opinions and i thought i thought they were very interesting actually Mm -hmm. um and i i think the one caveat i have before we start is that as if you've listened to our natal charts episode you'll know if you haven't go back and listen but you'll know that the birth time is really important when running your natal chart. Mm-hmm. So um, there are some people that say that I, I looked on all the, all the charts of Putin that I saw, they all said that her, his birth time was at nine thirty AM. Okay. There are some people that say that that's questionable, that they're like, there's no, it's not completely valid as to whether or not that's hasn't been completely confirmed that that's his birth time. Yeah. But it, I did see enough of those charts run that there are enough people that think that they agree that that's probably his birth time. Okay. I okay. So, gotcha. Um, so I think that's important to take into account, mm-hmm. but I also think that one, 
a lot of people were talking about just in general outside of Putin's chart is that this is Pluto's return. Yes. Right. So like we've talked a lot about the Pluto return that happened very recently and how Pluto is a planet of destruction Mm -hmm. and destruction that brings transformation and how a lot of people were really scared about what was going to happen during the Pluto return and how, what was that going to look like in our country, but also across the globe. Right. Um, Because it's important to note that like the fall of the patriarchy isn't just going to happen in this like romantic sense that like it's going to undo itself. We all, we know that that's been written about for hundreds of years. Like everyone's picked up on that by now. Right. Right. I mean, it would be great if like the, if, if the fall of the patriarchy was like goodness taking over and like rainbows shooting out of everybody's eyeballs and like (laughs) things being lovely, but that's not how systems actually break. No. And I know a lot of people got confused because they were like, but you know, the destruction's happening to Ukraine Yes, but we also know that from what we can tell with the Pluto return is that like the patriarchy's way of falling is going to be by exposing itself. Exactly. So this is what's happening now that and I think that's what we see going on in Ukraine and Russia now. I agree. One thing that made me sad about Putin's chart was that he's a Scorpio rising. Oh, Jay. (laughs) I am also a Scorpio rising. And it's like, it's like my... I'm like the proudest part of me is like the, I'm a Scorpio rising. I was like, no, not Putin. You are the example of a Scorpio rising gone right. And he is the example of a Scorpio rising gone wrong because I mean, it is a powerful rising sign. I mean, it's, it's private. It's powerful. I mean, that's Scorpio. You can be Scorpio for good or for bad, right? Use your powers for evil or for good, right? Right. He's just, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for good. <laughs> <laughs> So this person, this article, I'll link it, um, like I'll put it on social media. The person, this person with this chart is that they're someone who wants to be an integral part of a larger world community Mm -hmm. by being in a public position of power. Hmm, That's pretty accurate. And using that like to further an action oriented agenda and through controlling the narrative and listen causing restrictions through chaos. Oh my God. So think about Putin and all of the disinformation that he's been casting out like through the internet for years now. I mean, years and years. That totally reads true for him and how, I mean, you got to give Putin credit. He's really smart the way he's done this. It's worked. It was effective. It Mm -hmm. did successfully change our election and change who our president was. Mm -hmm. And if you think about sort of how evil geniusy he is you have to be smart to take the word patriot right like to have the foresight to use propaganda in a way that's like so subtle and insidious and to use it in a way to like that's going to help you not just now but in like five years ten years like he started he's playing the long game exactly and i think where he's masterful at that is knowing who to manipulate right exactly right and he picked someone who was very malleable and easily manipulated we're talking about trump okay (laughs) um so the chart goes on to read and say that that he was born with a karmic bag of self-obsession who and was and was meant to abandon his need for recognition in the name of service to others in place of wanting to serve himself 
and there's an intoxicating draw to the stage to have all eyes on him. And when I think of when I read that, all I think about is that picture of him on the horse. Oh my god, with, we're gonna talk about that. Yes. yes. Shirt on, it's like, oh my this guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and it just says that a person with Putin's chart craves information. They want to expand through communication, right? On the internet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be good communication, but it's communication mm-hmm. and wants to do this in the realm of other people's resources. Wow. So, oh, it says it's impossible not to make the connection between all of these aspects with like the cyber attacks and the desire to undermine people by using their own information against them. Yes. Agreed. That's all I could think of. Yep. So, I mean, I think his chart from what people, how people are reading it and analyzing it, it sounds like this was in, this was in the stars. So I know that we have a lot of high-level spies that listen to the podcast. (laughs) Sure we do. So if you guys could just take that information and keep it in mind. Exactly. File it somewhere in the FBI so that we we know. So everyone knows. Or call us. Yeah. We'll help. Right. I think it's great to know this stuff. And I think it's great to look outside of all the the ways that we just get information now, because clearly it's not working out very well. Just saying. Right. Okay. A couple of additional note, additional notes before we talk about Putin and the shirtless photos on horseback. (laughs) (laughs) President Biden says that he will reinforce military assets in bordering NATO countries and increase economic sanctions in Russia. Yep. I want everyone to know that, Putin knows what Biden is going to do. He's not, he's not surprised by this. Like he's expecting all of NATO to come against him and he's planning for it. Just making that note. Yep. The other thing I have to note is the Putin Trump connection even more than what we just referenced. Yes. I I think, I don't think it will be responsible of us to not mention it. Okay. I did more, hours of research on this than I care to admit. So just know I fell deeply into all the rabbit holes. <laughs> You're on someone's radar, some someone's internet radar. Well, I'm sure I've been flagged for a while, but especially all the documents I read from like the German government. About the codes. Yeah. But I will just, I will just say, here's what's hard with this. We basically know for a fact that Putin is controlling a lot of what Trump did and still does. Right. We can't really prove it though. Right. So we can't do anything about it. I can't show you evidence. I can't be like, here's, here's the solid proof. And as somebody who really does not like Trump, I can tell you that I looked as hard as I could. Right. (laughs) But here's what I can say. Like, this is the best source of like actual facts. And then we can talk about what you see as behavior to like kind of back up our observations. And I just like to throw in to, to your point. I think the misinformation campaign has been so strong on Putin's part that like, we're almost at the point of no return with Trump that like, and I don't mean like governments, like governments would step in and do anything about it. But I mean, like our citizens, the citizens of this country, like we're, they're so far gone that it doesn't matter what comes out about Trump and Putin working together. Like, you see people still at MAGA rallies. How are they? Why? Why do we still have those? First of all, second of all, <laughs> they're pro Putin now, right? Like it doesn't. It like it doesn't matter. We all know that Putin did this and that he's that Trump's in bed with him, yep. right? Right. 
like he said, I could go in the middle of Times Square and shoot someone and no one would do anything. He was not wrong. No. And that's like, nothing has ever been enough to break this, this mind control that, you know, I would love to give Trump credit for it, but he's not smart enough. He didn't do it. It was Putin. Exactly. Exactly. So the really only solid piece of information I can give you that I think is worth looking at is that Trump's main campaign advisor was aligned with the former Ukrainian president who was a huge supporter of Putin. Yes. Okay. So they have a lot of connections, but like very like close ties worked with him, like all this kind of stuff. So there's the factual tie-in I can give you of how that might have happened. But what I'll, I'll say to your point, Jamie, too, is that Trump hasn't made any sort of like he's come openly out about being a huge Putin fan. Yeah. Yes. He still talks about Putin like they're homeboys. I think he's got has like a little man crush on him. Maybe <laughs> maybe the shirtless horseback photos got to him, Jay. Well, there is that Photoshop version of Trump like on the back of the horse with Putin, like <laughs> holding him from behind. okay so whatever your thoughts on all that is we know trump loves putin we have evidence that trump got elected and that there was tampering from russia like there's enough out like facts outlying this that we can see the writing on the wall but i don't want to falsely say that i can absolutely prove that putin's pulling the strings but i i do believe that he is we also saw like there there were also studies done when Russia first invaded Ukraine and the uptick in Russian bots that were found on Instagram and Twitter pushing pro-Russian propaganda. Exactly. Because people were like, wait, why are there so many less posts about this? Exactly. So what I we're going to talk about a little bit in a minute too is that before Putin became president, Putin was a spy for the KGB. Really? Yes. So if you're wondering how this sort of like war of information or how it's like so good, like how, how does he have this ability? Right. I would point to that. Yeah. That's a good start. Now there's a lot of people saying like Putin was just like in the KGB. Like he, he was in charge of like burning files that didn't that need to be gotten rid of. Like, and some people say like, no, the man was like 007 of the KGB. So like, I don't, I can't prove any of it. I don't know where the truth lies, but I will say he certainly has the information and the know-how how to manipulate information. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you also, if you actually were 007, you wouldn't be allowed to say that and the government wouldn't be allowed to say that. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that's top secret information. Yeah. I mean, the KGB dissolved supposedly when the Soviet Union fell, but right. it just became something that for Russia, like, like you know. Whatever. So know that know that too, right? Like yeah. he's yeah. literally was a Russian spy. Gotcha. There's that tie too. A few things about Putin. He grew up very poor. Mm-hmm. And his two younger brothers died of illness in childhood. Okay. He went to law school. He didn't finish, but because he joined the KGB in his last year of law school. Um, at his time in law school, he joined the Communist Party. Okay. So for those who are like, he's not a communist, he's a capitalist. Um, He's a communist. Right. Okay. Again, (laughs) doesn't matter the label. I'm just saying we know he did this. Okay. After he, he was in the KGB for a while. Okay. Like he was in the KGB at the time of the fall of the Berlin wall, just 
to like give you like a little bit of a time reference. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. After after the Soviet Union falls and supposedly the KGB is no more, I'm sure they just got rebranded, right? He joins the mayor's office and starts his career in politics. Okay. Now, Stalin was the longest leader outside of like the monarchy of the Romanovs, elected officials, or like their people sometimes were called like head of parliament or like whatever you want to call them. Stalin was in charge for 25 years. Okay. Putin has been in the presidency since 2000. Okay. But took a couple years off to be the prime minister. Yep. I remember. Okay. The reason he did that is because there are term limitations and this was his way of getting around them. And if you go ahead and look yourself, because I can't, I don't have an exact way to prove this because I don't have Putin admitting it. I think that's the only way that you could prove it, that he was running the country the whole time. Right. Of course. He was just gaming the system. Exactly. Okay. So he's technically, he has not been the president for 22 years because he took a few years off to, to be the head of parliament, but basically almost as long as Stalin, he's been in rule, which I think is an interesting thing to note. Yeah, I agree. Here's my comparison when it comes to Stalin. I mean, when it comes to Putin and the Kardashians. Oh yeah. Okay. Putin loves staged photo ops. Mm, True. He is the king of them. The Kardashians don't hold a freaking candle to the man spinning stories and putting out information about himself and wanting himself to look a certain way and having his own photographers like, the, the Kardashians took a page out of his book. Yeah, Kris Jenner wishes she could. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. So the the photo op that you and I have been referencing, if you haven't seen it, please Google it. And then you have, you have to see it. If you haven't seen it, my apologies for doing that to your eyeballs. But basically, Putin is riding around kind of surveying the land on a horse while shirtless. It's like... It's like the patriarchy's idea of what they think is masculinity, (laughs) (laughs) but not what anyone actually thinks is masculine. You know what I mean? Exactly. He's also, (laughs) Putin is very obsessed with his image being of him with super spy intelligence and able to do anything. He's so smart. He's so healthy. He's so masculine. That's what he wants everyone to think of. So you can find so many stage photos of him. Again, I'm, I don't know who is like watching my computer, but they're like, why is she looking at so many pictures of him? <laughs> but you can find him posing as a dentist, as a hunter, many pictures of him surveying land on a horse. What? Some why? shirtless, some not. And then riding motorcycles, like all kinds of very staged things. Very, very manly, very masculine. So masculine. Also, very impressed. In the horse ones where he's shirtless, I would just like to say the placement of where how high his pants are. Come on, bro. <laughs> that doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah, that's what he thinks people want to see. He's like out of touch. One thing I will say is that it must be grinding his mother effing gears to know how much everyone's fangirling Zelensky. Oh, I know. I think that that's probably like the worst part for him that he did not see coming. That's the only part of, of that weird obsession that I support. <laughs> okay. I just, I'm just generally not on board with people like making 
politicians rock stars or like, you know what I mean? Yes. They're public servants. Right. I mean, he's not our president, but like Joe Biden works for me. I elected him. Like I'm, I don't, I'm not going to put like a Joe Biden flag up on my house. No, no, thank you. No, 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 no. I mean, I would put a Jamie Hayhurst flag out if you ever won any political office, but other than that, I'm not going to do that. Okay. I have to just tell you about one photo op that I found that was, this was the one that I can't wait to tell you because I'm so excited. (laughs) Really? Okay. Putin had what is now referred to as the Black Sea photo op. So it was made to look as if photographers just caught Putin as he was going scuba diving in the Black Sea. Should I Google it as you're talking? Yes. There's all these pictures of him. Now there's pictures of him underwater because apparently these photographers following him were prepared with their underwater lenses too. Okay. Just happened to be there. So as he's just scuba diving, Jay, he he discovers these two ancient Greek artifacts, swims up with them, and walks to shore discovering the two artifacts. Shut up. <laughs> what? People were so suspicious because the photos, you have to Google them. Oh, I wonder why. The photos are like these, it looks like they're in very shallow water, these two artifacts. Oh my God. And it was, people were so much calling him on it that the his spokesperson had to admit it was staged. Oh my God. Oh my God. He admitted it? The spokesperson did. Oh, no. it's awkward. It's cringy. It's awkward. So please, everyone, Google the picture where he's like holding one in each hand as he swims to the surface, Putin. Oh, my God. It is strange. It's awesome. We'll have to put it on our Instagram stories or something because it's so funny. And the reason why I'm making fun of it, I know this is a dangerous man that we're making fun of. And like, I don't need to make light of the bad things he's done. But like, this is how you know he's controlling the media and people don't have a say. Because well, this is right. bullshit that everyone can see. Exactly. It's like we're seeing behind the curtain and why, well, why isn't it changing anything? Like yeah. that's, that's how much control he has. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to point out because a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, Trump, you know, with his stuff, but like, yeah, some of it's just an act and he's playing the stuff. And it's like, but see, Putin is the example of how that goes really bad. Exactly. Right. He's an even worse version of, of that game. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Where you can't just tune out of it. Like if you speak out no. against it, you could be killed. Yeah. I mean, and he has like his grasp is international. It's it's in other countries. It's affecting elections. This isn't just like, you know, oh, he's he's crazy. What does he know? You know, this is like really problematic stuff. Exactly. Okay. I have one last thing to talk about really quick, which is just my, my, a few tips to help you enter into conversations about this kind of thing and feel confident and to, to, if you need the invitation, which you don't, I'm inviting you to the arena (laughs) Yeah, because as you can see by this whole episode, I hope what we painted for you was a picture of the fact that all of these patriarchal systems don't work. Right, exactly. So we need more intuitive, empathic people. We need more of a matriarchal system for anyone who's going to say that matriarchal is just women in charge. That's not what matriarchal is. Please look it up before you send us that feedback form of criticism. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's not what it matriarchal is. Please hear that and please know that like your voice is important and we need you. We need you in this arena. 
Yeah, and and we've also been sort of tricked or fed this story, this line that like we can't talk about anything unless we're experts. Yes, that's not true. You can have a conversation with someone and just say, "I'm not an expert in this, but from what I know, this is my opinion." Exactly, and this is the thing that I want to give to people some tips on doing that and feeling like you're still empowered and talking about it. You know, I see people try to enter conversations and they kind of undo their power with statements, like really insecure statements. And I'm like, "Mm, you know, don't do that. Here's what they do. Yes. Start a sentence with, what I understand is, this makes it so you're not saying, I know this for sure. I know every fact. You're saying, here's something I understand. And let me say it aloud to you. Exactly. Okay. Another great opener what I find interesting to explore and then talk about a part of this that you actually find interesting. You don't have to know all of it. We gave you the overview, go explore the part that like hits you and then enter into conversations and bring that part up. Agreed. Steer back to that point. When someone goes off of it, go there because if you are an empathic intuitive person, I know there's parts of the story that you want to look into more. Those parts are the parts to bring up in the conversation. Right. And when they steer it away because they're the other person's upset or wants to like, quote unquote, win, you can be like, oh, no, what I was actually talking about was this part. Exactly. Exactly. Another way to bring it up is to say, I'd like to discuss because that opens the door for less of a right wrong argument and more of a discussion. A great, a great opener, in my opinion. Yep. And then when someone starts going into like a kind of mean argument, you can say something like, I feel like we're getting into an argument and I'd like to keep this more of a discussion. That's a very powerful thing to say. That's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Cause then you're, you're very subtly calling them out and it makes them check themselves. And it's, it's doing so in a powerful way. You're not undermining your own power when you say something like that. Yes. I love that one. Okay. When someone says something that you disagree with, instead of launching into opposition facts, before you do that, say, Tell me what makes you feel that way. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay, especially if you're doubting the legitimacy of the source. Exactly. So I use that a lot when somebody starts to say something that I can hear is like a Fox News soundbite. Can you cite your sources, please? (laughs) Yeah. Well, when you say that, people get really defensive, right? So if you say, tell me what's making you feel that way. Right. People, because you've used the word feel, you're going to trip up someone who hasn't actually done any research or put any critical thinking into it. Because as we know, intuition is the basis for critical thinking. And so you have to feel a way before you can critically think. So it's, it's more masterful than maybe it sounds, but it's a great line. Yeah, it's awesome. And then listen, that gives you plenty of time to decide what you're going to say next. (laughs) Right, exactly. People aren't often asked how they feel. And oftentimes when they're trying to have a very logical argument, that will very much trip them up. Right. Because we're taught that logic and feelings, they have to be opposites. They can't, they can't work together. Yeah. Don't believe that, please. That's, it's the opposite. actually. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And then lastly, when someone you're entering into a conversation with someone that you know has a very like opposing viewpoint, the more information you have on what they think and how they feel and what they know, the better you are positioned to bring up your own points. So right. I like to start with, tell me what you know about, and then the rest of that topic. Yes, that's a good one. Because most likely, especially if the person is coming from a place of like wanting 
to like sway you to their propaganda side (laughs) instead of have a discussion, they're going to say a lot of things right there. They're going to tell you all the things they think. Just sit and listen, mentally note some points and then speak. You're going to hold all the cards in that situation. Or you might actually find that they don't actually know that much, that they're really fired up about like very specific topics or, or points. But beyond that, they're not very informed. Exactly right. And guess what? That that idea that you have that you're an imposter or you're not an expert because you don't know every single thing, you're going to see right away how inaccurate that is. Exactly. Right. There's there's many schools of thought that like the smartest people think they know they don't know enough to enter conversations and the least educated people think they know everything and enter them. Exactly. exactly. So just enter. Find your way to enter. Do I think it's your responsibility you have to enter the conversation every time? No, ma'am. I think have good boundaries and you make your decisions. Do I think we as a whole need to be better at not turning away and speaking up and educating ourselves? Yes, I do. And I hope that this is a way, this whole podcast episode was a way for us to contribute to that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that was a bit heavy, Jay, but I really enjoyed speaking to you about current events and I'm really excited to hear what people think of this episode. We want feedback. If you want us to do more things like this, this was our, our spin on the intuitive girls do current events. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it is heavy, but it's also what's happening right now. So we don't get to just look away from that. It's already heavy. Now, hopefully we can lighten it by giving you some confidence in the topic. And if it gets too heavy, just think of the shirtless Putin on a horse picture and it'll lighten it a bit for you. Exactly. All right. I'm going to try not to think of that and go drink some coffee. Thank you very much. (laughs) Hey everyone, Heather and I have an ask for you. If you love this episode or if you love the IgG, can you do us a favor? We need you to go on to whatever platform you listen on and download, subscribe, like, love, whatever it's asking you to do. Can you go do those things for us on the platforms that you listen on? It would mean so much to us. Thanks for listening to our episode. For a way to get in touch with us, please visit our website, intuitivegirlsguide.com. We love hearing your feedback on our episodes.